Hi, this is not just any confusion. This is MS, sorry, N and J confusion. Confusion at a higher level. Welcome everyone to episode 171. Is it 171? I believe it is. Yeah, good. So you're already confused. But as you say... <laughs> yeah, that was at quite a low-level confusion, if you know what I would say. There was nothing higher about that. <laughs> well, I think any time we're confused, it's higher than normal people. That's what I'd say. <sighs> well, here we are again. And another week closer, the church weekend away. The big church weekend away. It's not that big, really, is it? No, it's not that big. <laughs> you say it's, it's not a actually church. a church. It is a weekend away, though. And listen, I've had an idea. I've, I just <laughs> thought it'd be fun to go retro for people. Oh, okay. So, so let's get the OHP out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, eighties choruses are very mm-hmm. much the order of the day, and I want to invite everyone to hold each other's hands and sing "Bind Us Together" <laughs> whilst looking into the eyes of your neighbour. I think that is something everyone wants to see happen we do but also i thought it'd be really nice to have a a sort of slightly inept ohp operator who could put the words up but like slightly two lines behind the verse that you're actually (laughs) singing you know because or or at an angle (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of slanted slightly (laughs) good times ah happy memories didn't you love the 80s (laughs) the ohp what a thing (laughs) I heard, I thought of an 80s chorus the other day. For some reason, it came into my mind that you remember. I know, I know, whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded yes. that he is Maybe. able to yeah. keep Dad. that. What a weird, what a weird song. I, <laughs> I wouldn't just single out that one for weird. No, but it's just. What? What? Where did that come? Anyway, that's irrelevant. But it's funny how these things pop into your mind because they <laughs> yeah. are sort of embedded there from so many decades. Rachel, past, Rachel really. told me off for whistling very loudly in the garden. Oh Jesus, I have promised the other day, which I was totally unaware that I was doing. <laughs> why, why does she? Why does she not like that? Well, I think she nice felt it could be disturbing the neighbours. Uh, oh, that, okay. So, <laughs> rather so than the actual t- hymn choice. <laughs> okay. So it was more your whistling. <laughs> I didn't know I was doing it. I Did do that, not? though. But I do sing 80s choruses all the time. You know, Lord, you put a tongue in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. My tongue will be the pen of a ready writer. That was a stupid one. There were so yeah. many classics. Really. They were very stupid. Yeah. Anyway, how are you, dear friend? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. And I'd, um, I'm very good because Abbott are back. They are, and actually, they got a song that is not terrible. Very good songs, yeah. I think. Very good. Mm. And uh, whenever I say I'm a big fan, or like The Visitors is one of my mm. three favourite albums. Oh, really? People always think I'm being ironic, and I'm not ironic. Yeah, because we would assume it would be voulez-vous, but no, you no, <laughs> no, no, Visitors is great. It's it's very Nordic noir if you look at the okay. uh, lyrics. So yeah. Anyway, apart from a couple of songs which are a bit rubbish, mm. but anyway. Everyone has a down moment. Yeah. Uh, yes, so Abba back, so I'm happy about that. Uh, did you enjoy summer? Because we just <laughs> yeah. had a couple we, It just happened. There it went. Yeah. <laughs> I, two, two days. I just did, a, and wasn't, wasn't the cricket great? 
Oh. Oh, Lord. Oh, dear. Yeah. Still, I am uh, uh, I'm going on holiday next week <gasps> as well. Well, how very dare you? So there will be no podcast. There won't. Next week is what we're saying no. here. Um, okay. So a week of no confusion, high or low, mm. uh, next week. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. And also I preached back in my church on Sunday for the first in time. Your ch- oh, um, great. Ages. Were you yeah. booed off? Were you heckled? Were you stoned in any way? I wasn't. Okay, I wasn't. Good. But I did talk about some things that I've been thinking about. So, uh, yeah, uh, I might. You know how you're always going, oh, send me the link, send me the link, because yeah. it's streamed now. Yeah. So you could watch, if people wanted, they could watch me. They could well, watch a slightly portly, greyish man at the front of the church. Well, when you say the word if, I mean, I think you'll find everyone wants to. So uh, send me true. the link and I'll put it on Facebook and I will collate the comments and present them to you. <laughs> <laughs> please don't so i may do that this time anyway uh that's that's how i am that's me oh very good very good and you're very good self yeah it's okay i mean you know busy and everything uh we, we went to nep last night you know the summer ended at a, a, approximately five thirty p.m yesterday and then thunderstorms started just as we'd organized a little soul place walking thing in the evening oh, no. <laughs> up at net. But we went and it was this, it was incredible, actually, because there was this glorious sunset whilst mm. thunder and lightning going on as well. So it was great and some lovely people. And that was quite very pleasing, really. Um, Soul Place starts tonight, so we're very excited about that. We, t- all, all, we told all our participants to take a lateral flow test. I mean, it just feels so weird, doesn't it? But, you know, mm, we're mm. just trying to be as safe as we can because there is no social distancing around our meal table. It can't be done and, you know. Um, no. So, so it's just an added layer of security, really. I hope we're doing the as responsibly as we possibly can. There's no socially acceptable behaviour around your meal table either, generally. No, exactly. And also, for the first time, we're doing that whole Baptist thing of having our own individual shop glasses rather than, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we've been having this debate in church because we're thinking, because the Anglican church, you know, obviously shares the cup. Yeah, I know. And I like that about Soul Place, but we just can't, can you? Which has always been the least hygienic thing possible, when you think about it. It's dirty, Um, yeah. It's amazing. More plague hasn't hit us, but um, you know, and they're they're trying to work out how to do it. And somebody did suggest that in a meeting I was in the other night. You know, said so lots of individual cups, and I, mm. I said I knew they'd turn Baptist eventually. But, um, you know. <laughs> and it's coming. Oh, and one other thing, I must I must say this while I remember, uh, the woman to whom I'm married, bless her, is reading the uh, uh, John Philip Newell. Um, book uh, Sacred Earth Sacred Soul loving it as indeed did I and got to that bit on uh, female energy just so just and you remember he said that actually we need to embrace more female energy and not just women men need to embrace so he started this interesting conversation I think you would like this because we watched Black Widow uh, the Marvel film starring Scarlett Johansson and we were talking, you know, and some people had championed that in the reviews I'd read as, you know, real sort of women's empowerment. I mean, here is a woman, a figure who's leading the cast, strong woman, all the rest of it. But Rachel had some really interesting reflections on how, you know, that really seemed looked like masculine energy parading as a woman. You know, it was violent, oh, kind of mm. looked after. You know, who was she fighting for? Basically herself. Um you, you know, she was she was strong and she could hit harder and fight harder and survive harder. 
and all those mm. kind of things. And we were contrasting that with um, Haller from the film that we both enjoyed, the Icelandic film, um, Woman at War. Oh, yeah, and just, that's great. And just like, as as an absolute kind of picture of female energy, she was strong, she was tough, she used her power to protect not just herself but others. She was concerned for the environment. She was artistic. She, you know, had that musical flair. She mm-hmm. wanted to adopt, you know, and just, you know, these in, just a very different, the real contrast in what you might call feminine and male energy, but both portrayed by, by women there. I thought it was really, that was a good, good observation. And listeners, if you haven't watched the Icelandic film Woman at War yet, then um, both Nick and I would highly recommend it to you. It's very good. <laughs> it's good. It's very good. I think that's an interesting idea. I think that's a good observation. I suppose then I would question, well, is it right even then to use those terms about those two kinds of behaviour? Is there a less yes. gendered way? Yes. Because I know a lot of men, and you know a lot of men, who wouldn't dream of behaving in a violent way, but who embrace yeah. peace and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, yeah. and non-violent yeah. and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I, I wonder... Again, it's a sort of category. I completely thing agree kind with of you. Actually, into yes, it. no, you're exactly right. I'm not sure how much um, gender-based um, kind of generalisations are helpful as we move forward. Now, I think you know this idea of masculinity needs massive mm. revision, as does femininity. Frankly, um, now shall we move on? Yes, then? shall we? Um, Peter uh, said very importantly uh, asked how our courgettes were this year because he hasn't heard us talking about the courgettes. It's a bit of a personal question. <laughs> it's a personal question. But mine are small and withered. I don't mind telling you. It's been a very disappointing <laughs> year, Peter. <laughs> Behave yourself, Nick Page. Uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know. What, well, i tell you what the problem has been. Pollinators. As you know, I've been trying. Has it? I have been going around with the male flowers and sticking them in the end of my courgettes, as it were. Pollinating them. That's what you do. Mm. In the absence of bees. This is how we're all going to be doing crops. In the future, believe well, that's me. That's interesting because I've got I've got a chili plant yeah. that has got like one chili on it. It's a lovely big plant. Oh. It's got loads of foliage, yeah. lots of flowers. Yeah, not being but not getting pollinated. It just hasn't been pollinated. Yeah, thank you. Well, and thanks, Peter. I mean, everything is spiritual, so thank you for that very spiritual question. Um, Andrew says, um, Nick and Joe, uh, thanks to your podcast. I was introduced to it a couple of years back by my spiritual director. And found it Good helpful, <laughs> then drifted away. But I'm currently on an MFC binge session, several shows a day, trying to catch up. And amazed how many. Oh, of... Andrew, please. <laughs> Come on, man. He says, Get alive. <laughs> he says, and amazed how many of the topics you discuss mirror what I've been thinking and reading in recent years. And um, he says, however, what prompted me to write was the podcast 149 with Margaret Metcalf. Said I've been reflecting on our goal to become more like Jesus, but wondered why so many people from an evangelical background who seem so quick to point out sin in others and society, and themselves to be fair, seem to view God as primarily a righteous judge. So if the God you worship is judgmental, do you become like your God? This is a great question, I think. If the most characteristic thing of your God is love, inclusion and acceptance, does that lead you to become more like that? So, yes, the language we use is important, but more importantly, the primary image we hold of God affects the type of person we become. We become like the God we worship. 
says, I don't know uh, how you can do this, but it would be really helpful to find out a way to link up with other fans of your podcast locally. There seems to be a shortage of like-minded people in a similar spiritual journey in my area and would love to have them connect. So there's the revolution again, marching mm. on. But back to the point, do we become like the God we worship? And I have a one word answer for that. But do you want to say anything? Uh, uh, I think I know what the one word answer is. <laughs> it begins with Y and it ends in S, but I don't want to give it okay. away just yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yogurts. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Isn't there a psalm that says that we become like the gods we worship? I can't, I can't look it up at the moment, but I think there's a psalm that says that. You've invented that. There's no psalm. That's from I the Nick old... Book of Psalms. I think it is it's something. I, I can't remember what okay. it is. I'm sure there's a psalm that mentions something like that. I'll, I'll have to. I'll put it in the show notes if I yeah. can find. If it. only, if only we had a technology where we could look up things like that and and immediately tell the listener. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I was trying to look it up on the phone while you were talking. <laughs> I couldn't find it. <laughs> Because I thought they would look really impressive. I recognise that distant look in your eyes now. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, yes. Anyway. I mean, that clearly is true. I mean, you know, we. I suppose this goes right back to being a child and our most godlike figure being a parent. And then we mm. project that out on. I mean, you know, I'm not the psychoanalyst here. But, but you know, I'm sure that initially in our own journey of development and therefore in our own faith journey, which it often mirrors, there's this there's this authority figure who tells you what's right and what's wrong. And, um, yeah, it takes a little while to shift, doesn't it? So, I, yes, Andrew, I think we do become like the God we worship. And I think that, that you know, that's why it's so important to do this mid-faith journey and questioning so that, you know, we we do try and, and, and get a, a more accurate picture of who the divine is. Well, we've, we've often said that, haven't we? Yeah. That, you know, that it all begins with your image of God. The one thing I would say about that email, and I think I have to keep saying it, is that it's not just evangelicals. You know, it's easy to sort of tar the evangelicals with this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. most yeah. Of, of Christian sort of teaching over the past 2,000 years has expressed the idea yes. of God as a, as a kind of smiter. Yes. The... Churches before the Reformation were covered with warnings of um, what's going to happen to you Great. if you if you're not on the right side of God when you die, you know, and your sin pictures of sinners sitting in weighing scales being weighed up, yeah. you know, uh, are they going to, you know, with a demon one side and Mary yeah, the other, sure. and which way are yeah. they going to go? So I don't think it's fair to say that it's just an evangelical obsession. I think it's um, I think it's uh, you know, it's been throughout the the, the the way that God has been picked has been common really throughout Christian history. Definitely. Yeah, sure. Mm. Okay, thank you. And thank you, Andrew. So on, on to James. He says, Dear Joe and Nick, uh, I, sent, I was sent this fascinating article by a friend and would be really interested to hear your thoughts on it. It resonates in various ways with my own existential journey. Although I come from an evangelical rather than atheist background, the various aspects of truth, especially those referred to by John Philip Newell in his recent interview, which are referred to in the article, have been important waymarks on my journey too. So he sent in this article by a chap called Paul Kingsnorth uh, called The Cross and the Machine. And it basically describes his journey from, you know, quite, quite ardent atheism um, to faith and especially through sort of mystic encounter. And it's quite, you know, it's quite a funny article as well. Um, 
I know you've read it, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm providing leads. And what I'll do is I'll put it on our Facebook page, and um, you can put it in the show notes. But yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, here's the interesting thing about this, Joe, because I, I, I did look it up. Mm. Um, two and a bit years ago, I went, and I think I talked about it in the podcast. I'm pretty sure I must have. I went on a writing course on an island off the coast of Ireland. I do remember this. Is this where you saw the fox that? one evening? Where I saw the fox yes. and the otter and all remember. kinds of stuff. Yes. And the bloke leading that course yeah. was Paul Kingsley, <laughs> who wrote this article. That is amazing. And on the week, it was amazing because we had lots of conversations on, on the week and he was very interested at that time in, in uh, spirituality. It's called, you know, mm. He said I think he'd come to the conclusion that everything was about spirituality. And... Uh, and I was talking to him a lot about sort of different kinds of Christianity. And I remember coming back from that course saying to you, um, you know, that the way people were talking on the course, it was it was a way that only if, if you just change some of the nouns, mm. some of the words they use, the terms they use, it would be exactly the way that we talk about God. Mm. You know, the way that they get messages through nature, or, you know, mm. messengers and yeah. signs and all this kind of stuff. So I'm absolutely fascinated to find that actually he's yeah he's he's made that journey yes um you know I I I I've not obviously been in any contact with him since I don't know what what the thing was but I think I think that's really interesting I I just had this sense there that there was a spirituality yeah. at work there it's quite interesting yeah. and it's interesting much as I don't like to defend your insane love of old churches and buildings and things I mean what he was saying in this article I think does. <laughs> does bear some comment that you know mm. he's not looking for sort of what he calls trendy vicar with a happy clappy no. you know that was not for him and it's not to criticize that that way of being at all but he he likes the that the holiness mm. and the sacredness and the mystery of you know an older building and you know yes. he talks yes he talks a lot about mystery and mystic encounters and he doesn't need it all explained away or, no. or systemized into a nice uh, syst- systematic well, theology. He, he, he's going to be a very interesting Christian thinker. I yeah, think. and um, and and but, but, I mean that is just about what is your sacred space, which we talked yeah. about before. It's yeah. not about you know whether it's an old church or a new church or a, a you know a, a, a warehouse for a charismatic worship yeah. or a, 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 a or nep. You know no, all exactly. these places. Are the sacred spaces that p- speak to different individuals? Yeah, exactly. The important thing is to spend time there. I think, yeah. not not what it is to prioritise them as well. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah you're right. indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, in a way, that leads us on to uh, the thing we've been threatening to do, or at least to start. I think rather than do. Uh, yes, um, definitely. But it, it, which is, you know, Genesis. Um, there's quite a bit of feedback, I think, from Dave Tomlinson's thing, you know, you know when he was talking about Genesis some time ago, mm. and, and we kept getting feedback, and you said, you did that throughout, well, we must do an episode on Genesis sometime, like you do. Yes. Um, yes. I wish... Well, John Philip Newell talked about it as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I think that in the long history of uh, sort of teaching about Genesis... This may be a low point, I, uh, because <laughs> I just just feel. That, yeah. you know, so that's why I'm I'm a little bit wary of it. I've been a bit wary of getting yeah. in there because you know it's such a complicated book, and also I think what we're trying to do with this episode is or is just open up a few things and say I'd like to speak about what what I 
feel about the book at the moment and why I feel so drawn to it in the past few years. But but really, I'd like to open it up so that we get questions or comments yes, or ideas yes, in yes. from other people, I think. And uh, and I suppose the first thing to say is that why do people, you know, why do these guests refer to it? Why do people think about it? It's because I think it is such a, a kind of formative, hmm. powerful um, set of stories. Mm. I mean, you know, it's almost viscerally powerful. It almost connects at a very basic level to to to, to our humanity, um, and that's why I think people respond to it. It has so much emotion in it, so much, so many great, just great stories yeah. that that kind of seem. It does seem a little bit without. Okay, here we go. This does seem a little bit like going into a sacred space. When you go into mm. Genesis, you think there's something really profound and deep here. Mm. But I don't know quite what it is. But there's something about this set of stories that really, yeah. this is what I feel, that really resonates for me. Yeah. And I guess there, you know, there's a reason the myth, you know, is survived that this many years because other presumably um, creation stories haven't survived the test of time, perhaps quite as well. And yet the, gen- the Genesis account still resonates in some way. Is that what you're saying or? Well, I think it's almost beyond that. It's almost, you know, I think, I think um, obviously it survives because it's in it's in scripture, it's in the Bible. That's part, one of the major reasons why yeah. it's still around. But I think, I think it's something, yeah, that's something even more beyond that. That that the nature of these stories and what they're talking about seems to sort of touch us either, and sometimes horrify us. Actually, it's not yeah. always, you know, yeah, nice. No, it's exactly it's very, right. it, it, and and I, I mean, we should acknowledge that it's. It's not the most ancient book of the Bible. Well, okay, this depends on your view, but but if you're not a tr- traditionalist in terms of biblical um, history, the, the general view is it's not the oldest book of the Bible. It was written during the exile or or collected together, gathered yeah. together during the exile, and it ref- it comes out of that particular culture. So it might have existed in oral tradition for a lot. Yes. Lot yes. Longer, but, uh, yes. But, a lot but, of the but, stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're very. But it's yeah. been shaped. Yeah. It's been shaped. I mean, you know, there's lots of evidence for that, um, which I don't want to bore people by going into. But thank you. But it. No, right, right. <laughs> but there's a good. There's a book that mentions some of them, uh, which I wrote. I think why that is interesting is, okay, it's not, the oldest, text as it were in the in, mm. in the Bible. And yet it feels older almost than any of the others. Partly yeah. that's because it's talking about origins, but partly because it does have yeah. this sort of energy yeah. and life. It's 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 seen as the sort of wellspring for so much else that's in the Bible. You know, uh, lots of doctrine, for example, and, and yeah. ideas, really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an amazing book. Um, do you... If I asked you to sort of rank it, you know, to say, well... You know, in terms of your Bible reading. Oh right, yeah. Now, how where would you kind of oh, put it? No, how important is this book for you? I, 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 I it, well, I would say this: Genesis and Exodus from the Old Testament, and then then and the Psalms and some highlights from some of the prophets. <laughs> that 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 is basically <laughs> that's, your, that's your ancient scripture. That is my ancient scriptures. Yeah, that's yeah, my okay, kind okay. of that's that's my kind of fill. Uh, yeah, and and then yeah, and, and and then we'll stick around. You know, the Sermon on the Mount, and, you know, yeah. a few other you scriptures could, now. 
You could go around with a very thin Bible. I could. Know. It would be much easier to carry it around. And a large print edition as well. Yeah, that would be great yeah. since I'm, you know, almost blind now. So that would be that would be terrific. Well, the no. truth is everybody does that. I mean, I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't, I, I, that's not to, I'm not criticising you about that. I'm saying, you know, that we all have a Bible within a Bible, the places where we spend most of our time, yeah. really. But I think, you know, we, we've talked so much about uh, the doctrine of original sin and blah, 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 and the, mm. and, and the Genesis story starts in Genesis 1, not Genesis 3, blah, blah, blah. But I think it is an origin story because it's it's the story of our origins. And that's the thing. I, I suppose later I want to ask you this question about how do we read this? Do we read this as a, a piece of history, which I think I don't find very helpful? Um, or do I say in this story is is my story? And that's why this is important, because actually it's it's holding a mirror up to me to show me things I both like and dislike about myself. So so the first thing it tells me about myself is that, um, you know, I'm good. I'm created in the image of God. The divine spark is with it, you know. So so that's a really important starting place in my story. But pretty soon you start to see what human behaviour is capable of. And, and, you know, rebellion about God, that sounds like a very, you know, old school way of talking about it. But, you know, you start to see the mess we get ourselves in. And that is reflected back in it. And, um, you know, family rivalry and all those sort of things. So, yes, I do think it's really I think it's one of the far more engaging old <laughs> Hebrew scriptures. I'm trying trying to rid myself yeah, of sure, Old sure. Testament. You know, just, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the, the most uh, engaging uh, books of the Hebrew scriptures for me. Yes, because it, mm. it's 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 holding a mirror up. It's important. Yeah. Um, and that's that sort of goes back to the, the, the Hebrew name for is which means in the beginning hmm. I, I want to ask you a question about this because i know hmm. i know you've been thinking about this episode for a little while and everything but w- what fascinates you about genesis why is it important for you well i think it's the same thing actually i think yeah. it's a, because it seems to me to be about humanity at a very sort of basic universal kind of level Mm. And and the stories you get in it are they clearly not stories of our world in the mm. details and the way that people operate and there's some, there's some in, engaging weirdness. I do like that about Genesis actually. The fact that some mm. bits of it are just really weird. I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's that. That I think the the people are very earthy. And I mean, obviously Adam, mm. uh, you know, comes out of the earth, and there's kind of an earthiness to the whole mm. thing. And and that's why I think so many of the ways we talk about Genesis as if it was a sort of, you know, set of doctrines mm. woven into a story sort of miss the point because it's about mm. some very fundamental things. You know, on one level, it's about the history of humanity in terms of the development of civilization. So if you have all these mm. people coming along inventing metalwork and mm. music and, mm. you know, I don't know if anybody invents mime. I expect they were. <laughs> were killed if they did um you know but all this you know and cities grow up and you get farmers versus um mm. agriculturalists but you know mm. pastoralists versus agriculturalists you get you get warriors you get the invention of sort of chariots and all kinds of stuff so there's a lovely kind of yeah sort of earthy reality to it that i think is fascinating the historical yeah. bit um but and i think that it, there's things so i think a major theme of genesis is friendship it's about yeah. God it's as just, a friend. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I like that. The, well, the picture of God in Genesis that is is of somebody who has a stroll in a garden in the evening. 
Mm. Mm. Um, you know, and even in fact the, the the fall or whatever you want to call mm. it, the expulsion, doesn't stop God turning up at people's tents and having a meal with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being bartered with, being argued with, uh, you know, asking questions, having a laugh with with people. You know that whole episode with Sarah and Abraham where mm. uh, they're laughing and all this kind of thing. You know, there's there's a there's just this sort of earthy earthiness to it that seems to come through despite mm. the 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 weirdness as well of of it all. Um, so I think that's what I really react to. There, there just seems to be this yeah. this ancient stuff, but actually it's connecting in terms of the issues it's talking and about. And do you think it's still quite contemporary? I mean, do you think modern readers could, who perhaps have never read a Bible could pick up Genesis and look at it and get something from it? I, I think they could if they're allowed to view it as a story mm. and not told that it's science. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that I really yeah. think that's what gets in the way. So let's touch on the history bit here. Just whether I yeah. think it, you asked whether I think it, yeah. you know the historical. Yeah, I think possibly some bits, you know, some characters and things like that. But clearly the beginning, no, because it's it, well. I mean, there's just obvious things in there. There's there's anachronisms. There's all kind of stuff. There's the whole idea of like Adam. So Adam doesn't mean it's not a name. It means human. It's the Hebrew word for human. Now, Hebrew doesn't exist as a language before the middle of the second millennium BC. So that can, cannot have been his name. It's, yeah. it, you know, it's an assigned name, yeah, if anything. Sure, sure. So and it wasn't ever written to solve problems of science. That wasn't what they were interested in. Their whole concept of sure. the world and the universe is not our science. So I think, firstly, you have to let the story be story. If you, if you let that happen and you let people bring themselves to it and... and then I think, of course, it, it's relevant. It's yeah. about all the kinds of things that we, we're concerned with. It's strange, isn't it? Maybe because it was written in another language and we didn't get the poetry and the rhyming and everything. We just assumed we should take it, you know, a poem as literal. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? If I wrote a poem about you, there once was a fella called Nick who was... No, actually, let's not go there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, that know, would be... Yeah, I assume true, that people years later wouldn't wouldn't pick it apart and go, this, that, well, that must be literally true. He actually yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, it, it, I mean, it's not poetry in the way that we have poetry. It's not rhyming kind of poetry, that kind of thing. It's a, It's a sort of... Po- prophetic kind of poetry in the way that it and it's it chiastic, isn't it? Doesn't it go down narrow out and open? Oh, out? there's it all kinds all of stuff. Malarkey. I mean, I'm sure we studied that at college. I mean, you know. Yeah. So it, it, that's a sort of formal structure of, yeah. of writing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was slightly suspicious of all that stuff because <laughs> you'd need to have the whole thing in front of you in order to yeah. get all those. But it, it has all these levels. I mean, I, I think in one sense it's just it's what's called teleological. It's about why things are the way they are. Yeah. Why is farming so hard? The curse, however you want to yeah. view it, I don't think it's yeah. a curse, it's a, the outcome of freedom, of free will, is that things are going to get hard. The work in the land is hard. So it's people sure. asking from the start, why is, why is, why is mm. life so hard? Uh, why is childbirth so painful? Mm. Genesis is full of, sort of thing, areas where you say, why is this place called this? Mm. And it's somehow linked to a story. Mm. It's, it's about... You know how these things came in to being. It's obviously about freedom. 
you know, and I, I, I think that's a big thing in it about free will. People have choices mm. in Genesis, not just Adam and Eve, but you know, Abraham he has a choice over even which direction to go in. And mm. Jacob wrestles God, and mm. Cain murders Abel. People make choices throughout it. Um, and I suppose the little point I would make about that is it's God giving freedom not just to people but to creation as well, I think. Mm. So there's a very interesting verse at the beginning in, in chapter 1, in verse 11, where, where God says, let the earth put forth vegetation. Mm. Let the earth do this. You go ahead, go off, off you go. You know, it's kind of, and it's not deterministic. It's not like a kind of watchmaker winding up a watch mm. and letting it tick off. It, it's almost like a kind of independence, but a proper connected independence. Yeah, it's not exactly. Just, you know, it's like we are, and it's like for us, we are co-creating with God rather yes. than just, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it seems to me that there's that element in it, that there's a kind of agency and a self-determination and a, and a weight and a dignity to creation and to humanity in it um it's about the action of freedom i think that's really great important. okay well look i've got two important questions okay firstly mm. you know biblical literacy we know is going down lots of people one of the first things that happens you know mid-faith even before the mid-faith crisis they stop reading the bible so Mm. What would you say to our listeners now who are thinking, you know, maybe they don't read the Bible anymore. Or maybe they haven't looked at Genesis for years and years. What would you do to encourage them? Not preachy, preachy, but what would you do to encourage them to go back to Genesis? What would you say? Uh, so not preachy, preachy. Not preachy. So preachy. I no. can't say that God will hate you and you'll be a sinner if you don't do it. Well, obviously, that bad? obviously we know that to be true. Okay. <laughs> well, take a That's a given. <laughs> um, okay the first thing i think is just put your put your preconceptions aside try and mm. read it as if you're reading it for the first time okay try not to kind of try not to kind of go in with kind of i want to understand this i want to kind of get to grips with it. i want to yeah. i want to i want to decode mm. this thing don't mm. do that just just read chunks mm. um and just see if anything jumps out at you from that um so don't go into it with a preconceived set of ideas about what it is about um either whether you're for or against it um and and you could just um you know read the creation cycle you know, and just uh, just spend some time with that um you could pick any of the little, little um uh, episodes really because i think there's bits in it in genesis we don't know what they're about there's a mystery to it mm. you know there's an oddity to it so i think i think just put what you've been told about Genesis mm. to one side if you can mm. Mm. and just read it as if you're reading a, uh, a, a story mm. great great well I should do that uh, that's this week yeah I, Thank you. I think that's just interesting and, and don't worry if you don't get, get it or some you know there's bits in it that we just find Ugh. and I think I think you're supposed to find them uh. I, I don't think that's wrong I agree. yeah 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 but, and there are bits in it that are just downright wrong and bad I mean, we'll come on to that next week, maybe. But what well, my second question? So, thank you. That's mm. great. So, let's just have a go, read it, and you know, no preconceptions. Let's read it for the first time again. Great. Secondly, what are you hoping will come out of this episode? What were you hoping from listeners? Because you mentioned earlier that you wanted mm. some feedback. So, I think I want to hear from people about what I suppose what they've been told about it, really, mm. what they but what they think about it. 
what I want people to get, and this is the same actually with all the Bible, mm. is I want people to understand that there are more than one way of looking at things. Mm. Um, I mean, for example, a lot of Genesis can be read as a polemic against idolatry right. um, and for monotheism. You can view, mm. for example, creation, the creation account, as basically a sort of big a big sort of attack on other gods saying how how they're wrong in the sense that it starts with you know it creates god creates the moon which mm. was viewed as a god the sun mm. which was viewed as a god okay. rivers yeah, seas yeah. both of which were all the animals some of which mm. were viewed as god you know in other words the writers of genesis are saying no these are all creatures these are all created yeah. there's only one yeah. god mm. and he did the or she well, they yeah. basically you say he but he, he did the lot yeah so that's one level you can view it at. yeah and i think that's an interesting level i've been very interested in that you can view it symbolically yeah you know in, in scripture generally but particularly in genesis there's, there's many ways of reading this mm. and they could be very liberating and by that i don't mean that we put aside what you know we've previously been told necessarily some of it i think we should yeah but it's not about sort of destroying all that um, doctrine or whatever necessarily. I think we should just park that sometimes. Mm. This is about moving forward into into new ways of seeing things and, and you know, liberating from that point of view. It's being let into a different area, as it were, or mm. b- moved into a different area. So I think it's a positive move. It's not just about sort of proving things wrong. It's about finding uh, new things which are true. Brilliant. Thank you. That's great. And if people want to write in and um, share thoughts and comments or even disagree with Nick, dare I say it, uh, they should write into joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Yes, and I believe after last week they have to use an email machine. Yes, yeah, if right? you could get on your email machine and do that, <laughs> that would be fabulous. <laughs> You're not going to let that go, are you? No, that was <laughs> brilliant. Great. It is great. I love so, the email machine. Uh, yes, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for listening. And... Um, Thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. That's absolutely lovely. Mm. Uh, really appreciate that. We do. We are very grateful for someone who sent a donation in entitled to Nick and Joe's Retirement Fund. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, everyone. Thanks for being there. And do do let us know. I mean, I kind of for me, this is this is right on target for where we're at as Soul Place, because we are trying to move from like we've deconstructed and we've questioned and we've got quite good at questioning. If I do say so myself, I think we're pretty good at that. But now we want to go back. Well, well, what does the Bible mean to us now? How do we re-engage with the Bible post-crisis? How does mm. this book come mm. alive for us? And how is it, you know, part of the uh, something we regularly turn to um, for help on this on, on our journeys? So, um, yeah, thank, thanks for all you shared, Nick. Um, really, really appreciate it this week and uh, look forward to hearing um, what comes in from listeners. Bless you. 